Queen Zixi of Ix, Volume 2, Chapter 4, King Bard of Noland. The five high counselors of the Kingdom of Noland were both eager and anxious upon this important morning. Long before sunrise, Tallydob, the Lord High General, had assembled his army at the east gate of the city and the soldiers stood in two long lines beside the entrance, looking very impressive in their uniforms. And all the people, noting this unusual display, gathered around the gate to see what was going to happen. Of course no one knew what was going to happen, not even the chief counsellor nor his brother counsellors. They could only obey the law and abide by the results. Finally, the sun arose, and the east gate of the city was thrown open. There were a few people waiting outside, and they promptly entered. One, two, three, four, five, six, counted the chief counsellor in a loud voice. The people were much surprised at hearing this, and began to question one another with perplexed looks. Even the soldiers were mystified. Seven at nine, continued the chief counsellor, still counting those who came in. A breathless hush fell upon the assemblage. Something very important and mysterious was going on. That was evident. But what? They could only wait and find out. Ten, eleven, counted Tallydub, and then heaved a deep sigh for a famous nobleman had just entered the gate, and the chief counsellor could not help wishing he had been number forty-seven. And so the counting went on. The people became more and more interested and excited. When the number had reached thirty-one, a strange thing happened. A loud sounded through the stillness, and then another, and another, Someone was tolling the great bell in the palace bell tower, and the people began saying to one another in awed whispers that the old king must be dead. The five high counsellors filled with furious anger, but absolutely helpless, as they could not leave their posts, lifted up their five chubby fists and shook them violently in the direction of the bell tower. Poor Jicky! finding himself left alone in the palace, could no longer resist the temptation to toll the bell, and it continued to peal out its dull, solemn tones while the chief counsellor stood by the gate and shouted, Thirty-one! Thirty-two! Thirty-three! Thirty-four! Only the mystery of this action could have kept the people quiet, when they learned from the bell that their old king was dead. But now they began to guess that the scene at the east gate promised more of interest than anything they might learn at the palace. So they stood very quiet, and Jicky's disobedience of orders did no great harm to the plans of the five high counsellors. When Tullydub had counted up to forty, the excitement redoubled, for everyone could see big drops of perspiration standing upon the chief counsellor's brow. 
and all the other high councillors who stood just behind him were trembling violently with nervousness. A ragged, limping peddler entered the gate. Forty-five! shouted Tallydub. Then came Aunt Rivette, dragging at the bridle of the donkey. Forty-six! screamed Tallydub. And now Bud rode through the gate, perched high among the bundles on the donkey's back, looking composedly upon the throng of anxious faces that greeted him. Forty-seven! cried the chief counselor, and then in his loudest voice he continued, Long live the new king of Noland! All the high counselors prostrated themselves in the dusty road before the donkey. The old woman was thrust back into the crowd by a soldier, where she stood staring in amazement, and Margaret, clothed in her beautiful cloak, stepped to the donkey's side and looked first at her brother and then at the group of periwigged men, who bobbed their heads in the dust before him and shouted, Long live the king! Then, while the crowd still wondered, the Lord High Counselor arose and took from a soldier a golden crown set with brilliance, a jeweled scepter, and a robe of ermine. Advancing to Bud, he placed the crown upon the boy's head and the scepter in his hand, while over his shoulders he threw the ermine robe. The crown fell over Bud's ears, but he pushed it back upon his head so it would stay there, and as the kingly robe spread over all the bundles on the donkey's back and quite covered them, the boy really presented quite an imposing appearance. The people quickly rose to the spirit of the occasion. What mattered it if the old king was dead, now that a new king was already before them? They broke into a sudden cheer, and joyously waved their hats and bonnets above their heads, joining eagerly in the cry, Long live the king of Noland! Aunt Rivette was fairly stupefied. Such a thing was too wonderful to be believed. A man in the crowd snatched the bonnet from the old woman's head and said to her brusquely, Why don't you greet the new king? Are you a traitor to your country? So she waved her bonnet and screamed, Long live the king! But she hardly knew what she was doing or why she did it. Meantime, the high counselors had risen from their knees and now stood about the donkey. May it please your serene majesty to condescend to tell us who this young lady is, asked Tallydub, bowing respectfully. That's my sister Fluff, said Bud, who was enjoying his new position very much. And all the counselors, at this, bowed low to Margaret. A horse, a horse for the princess Fluff, cried the Lord High General, and the next moment she was mounted upon a handsome, white palfrey, where with her fluffy golden hair and smiling face and magnificent cloak flowing about her shoulders, she looked every inch a princess. The people cheered her too, for it was long since any girl or woman had occupied the palace of the King of Noland, and she was so pretty and sweet that everyone loved her immediately.
And now the king's chariot drove up, with its six prancing steeds, and Bod was lifted from the back of the donkey, and placed in the high seat of the chariot. Again the people shouted joyful greetings. The band struck up a gay march tune, and then the royal procession started for the palace. First came Tollydob and his officers, then the king's chariot surrounded by soldiers, then the four high counselors upon black horses, riding two on each side of Princess Fluff, and finally the band of musicians and the remainder of the royal army. It was an imposing sight, and the people followed after with cheers and rejoicings, while the Lord High Purse-Bearer tore silver coins from his pouch for anyone who could catch them. A message had been sent to warn Jicky that the new king was coming, so he stopped tolling the death knell, and instead rang out a glorious chime of welcome. As for old Rivette, finding herself and the donkey alike deserted, she once more seized the bridle and led the patient beast to her humble dwelling. And it was just as she reached her door that King Bud of Nolan, amid the cheers and shouts of thousands, entered for the first time the royal palace of Noel. Chapter 5 Princess Fluff Now when the new king had entered the palace with his sister, the chief counsellor stood upon a golden balcony with the great book in his hand, and read aloud to all the people who were gathered below the law in regard to choosing a new king, and the severe penalty in case any refused to obey his slightest wish. And the people were glad enough to have a change of rulers, and pleased that so young a king had been given them, so they accepted both the law and the new king cheerfully, and soon dispersed to their homes to talk over the wonderful events of the day. Bard and Meg were ushered into beautifully furnished rooms on the second floor of the palace, and old Jicky, finding that he had a new master to serve, flew about in his usual nervous manner, and brought the children the most delicious breakfast they had ever eaten in their lives. Bard had been so surprised at his reception at the gate, and the sudden change in his condition, that as yet he had not been able to collect his thoughts. His principal idea was that he was in a dream, and he kept waiting until he should wake up. But the breakfast was very real, and entirely satisfying, and he began to wonder if he could be dreaming after all. The old servant, when he carried away the dishes, bowed low to Bard and said, "'Beg pardon, your majesty, beg pardon, but the Lord High Counselor desires to know the king's will.' Bud stared at him a moment thoughtfully. "'Tell him I want to be left alone to talk with my sister Fluff,' he replied. Jicky again bowed low and withdrew, closing the door behind him. Then the children looked at each other solemnly, until Meg burst into a merry laugh. "'Oh, Bud!' she cried. "'Think of it! I'm the royal Princess Fluff, and you're the king of all of Nolan!' Isn't it funny? 
and then she danced about the room in great delight. Bud answered her seriously. What does it all mean, Fluff? he said. We're only poor children, you know, so I can't really be a king, and I would be not surprised if Aunt Rivette came in any minute and boxed my ears. Nonsense! laughed Margaret. Didn't you hear what that fat periwig man said about the law? The old king is dead, and someone else had to be king, you know, and the forty-seventh person who entered the east gate was you, Bud, and so by law you're the king of all this great country. Don't you see? Bud shook his head and looked at his sister. No, I don't see, he said, but if you say it's all right, Fluff, why, it must be so, then. Of course it's all right, declared the girl, throwing off her pretty cloak and placing it on a chair. You're the rightful king and can do whatever you please, and I'm the rightful princess, because I am your sister, so I can do whatever I please. Don't you see, Bud? But look here, Fluff, if you're a princess, why do you wear that old grey dress and those patched-up shoes? Father used to tell us that princesses always wore the loveliest dresses. Meg looked at herself and sighed. I really ought to have some new dresses, Bud, and I suppose if you order them they will be ready in no time, and you must have some new clothes too, for your jacket is ragged and soiled. Do you think it's really true, Fluff? he asked anxiously. Of course it's true. Look at your kingly robe, and your golden crown, and that stick with all those jewels in it, meaning the scepter. They're true enough, aren't they? Bud nodded. Call in that old man, he said. I'll order something and see if he obeys me. If he does, then I'll believe I'm really a king. But now listen, Bud, said Meg gravely. Don't you let these folks see you're afraid, or that you're not sure whether you're king or not. Order them around and make them afraid of you. That's what kings do in all the stories I ever read. I will, replied Bud. I'll order them around. So you call in that old donkey with the silver buttons all over him. Here's a bell rope, said Meg. I'll pull it. Instantly, Jicky appeared and bowed low to each of the children. What's your name? asked Bud. Jicky, your majesty. Who are you? Your majesty's valet, if you please, answered Jicky. Oh, said Bud. He didn't know what a valet was, but he wasn't going to tell Jicky that. I want some new clothes, and so does my sister, Bud announced as boldly as he could. Certainly, your majesty. I send the Lord High Steward here at once. With this he bowed and rushed away. Presently, Tallydab, the Lord High Steward, entered the room, and with a low bow presented himself respectfully before the children. I beg your majesty to command me, said Tallydab gravely. Bud was a little awed by his appearance, but he resolved to be brave. We want some new clothes, he said. They are already ordered, your majesty, and will be here presently. Oh, said Bud, and stopped short. I have ordered twenty suits for your majesty, and forty gowns for the princess, continued Tallydab. And I hope these will contain your majesty and the princess until you have time to select a larger assortment. Oh, 
said Bart, greatly amazed. I have also selected seven maidens, the most noble in all the land, to wait upon the princess. They are even now awaiting her harness in her own apartments. Meg clapped her hands delightedly. I'll go to them at once, she cried. Has your majesty any further commands? asked Tally Dab. If not, your five high counsellors would like to confer with you in regard to your new duties and responsibilities. Send them in, said Bud promptly. And while Margaret went to meet her new maids, the king held his first conference with his high counsellors. In answer to Tally Dab's summons, the other four periwigs, pompous and solemn, filed into the room and stood in a row before Bud, who looked upon them with a sensation of awe. "'Your Majesty,' began the venerable Tallydub in a grave voice, "'we are here to instruct you with your gracious consent in your new and important duties.' Bud shifted uneasily in his chair. It all seemed so unreal and absurd, this kingly title and polite deference bestowed upon a poor boy by five dignified and periwigged men, that it was hard for Bud to curb his suspicion that all was not right. "'See here, all of you,' he said suddenly. "'Is this a joke? Tell me, is it a joke?' "'A joke?' echoed all the five counsellors, in several degrees of shocked and horrified tones, and Tellydeb, the Lord High Executioner, added reproachfully, could we by any chance have the temerity to joke with your mighty and glorious majesty? That's just it, answered the boy. I am not a mighty and glorious majesty. I am just Bud, the ferryman's son, and you know it. You are Bud, the ferryman's son, to be sure, agreed the chief counsellor, bowing courteously. But by the decrees of fate, and the just and unalterable laws of the land, you are now become absolute ruler of the great kingdom of Nolan. Therefore, all that dwell therein are your loyal and obedient servants. Bud thought this over. Are you sure there's no mistake? he asked with hesitation. There can be no mistake, returned old Tallydub. For we, the five high counsellors of the kingdom, have ourselves interpreted and carried out the laws of the land, and the people, your subjects, have approved our action. Then, said Bud, I suppose I have to be king whether I want to be or not. Your majesty speaks the truth, returned the chief counsellor with a sigh. With or without your consent, you are the king. It is the law and all the others chanted in chorus, It is the law! Bud felt much relieved. He had no notion whatever of refusing to be king. If there was no mistake, and he really was the powerful monarch of Noland, then there ought to be no end of fun and freedom for him during the rest of his life. To be his own master, to have plenty of money, to live in a palace, and order people around as he pleased, all this seemed to the poor and friendless boy of yesterday to be quite the most delightful fate that could possibly overtake one. So lost did he become in the thoughts of the marvellous existence opening before him 
he paid scant attention to the droning speeches of the five aged counsellors who were endeavouring to acquaint him with the condition of affairs in his new kingdom and to instruct him in his many and difficult duties as his future ruler for a full half-hour he sat quiet and motionless and they thought he was listening to their dreary affairs of state but suddenly he jumped up and astonished the dignitaries by exclaiming see here you just fix up things to suit yourselves i'm going to go find fluff and with no heed to protests the new king ran from the room and slammed the door behind him chapter six bud dispenses justice the next day the funeral of the old king took place and the new king rode in the grand procession in a fine chariot clothed in black velvet embroidered with silver not knowing how to act in his new position bud sat still and did nothing at all which was just what was expected of him but when they returned from the funeral he was ushered into the great throne room of the palace and seated on the golden throne and then the chief counsellor informed him that he must listen to the grievances of his people and receive the homage of the nobleman of noland fluff sat on a stool beside the king and the five high counsellors stood back of him in a circle then the doors were thrown open and all the noblemen of the country crowded in one by one they kissed first the king's hand and then the princess's hand and vowed they would always serve them faithfully bud did not like this ceremony he whispered to fluff that it made him tired i want to go upstairs and play he said to the lord high steward i don't see why i can't very soon your majesty may go just now it is your duty to hear the grievances of your people answered tallydab gently what's the matter with them asked bud crossly why don't they keep out of trouble i do not know your majesty but there are always disputes among the people but that isn't the king's fault is it asked bud no your majesty but it's the king's place to settle these disputes for he has supreme power well tell them to hurry up and get it over with said the boy restlessly then a venerable old man came in leading a boy by the arm and holding a switch in his other hand your majesty began the man having first humbly bowed to the floor before the king my son whom i have brought here with me insists upon running away from home i wish you would tell me what to do with him why do you run away from home bud asked the boy because he whips me came the answer bud turned to the man why do you whip the boy he inquired because he runs away said the man for a minute bud looked puzzled well if anyone whipped me i'd run away too he said at last and if the boy isn't whipped or abused he ought to stay at home and be good but it's none of my business anyhow oh your majesty cried the chief counsellor it really must be your business you're the king you know 
and everyone's business is the king's. But that isn't fair," said Bud sulkily. "I've got my own business to attend to, and I want to go upstairs and play." But now Princess Fluff leaned toward the young king and whispered something in his ear, which made his face brighten. "See here," exclaimed Bud. The first time this man whips the boy again, or the first time the boy runs away, I order my Lord High Executioner to give them both a good switching. Now let them go home and try to behave themselves. Everyone applauded his decision, and Bud also thought with satisfaction that he had hit upon a good way out of the difficulty. Next came two old women, one very fat and the other very thin, and between them they led a cow. The fat woman having a rope around one horn, and the thin woman a rope around the other, each woman claimed she owned the cow, and they quarrelled so loudly and so long that the Lord High Executioner had to tie a bandage over their mouths. When peace was thus restored, the High Counselor said, "Your Majesty, please decide which of these two women owns the cow." "I can't," said Bud helplessly. Oh, your Majesty, you must! cried all of the five high counselors. Then Meg whispered to the king again, and the boy nodded. The children had always lived in a little village where there were plenty of cows, and the girl thought she knew a way to decide which of the claimants owned this animal. Send one of the women away," said Bud. So they led the lean woman to a little room nearby and locked her in. Bring a pail and a milking stool," ordered the king. When they were brought, Bud turned to the fat woman and ordered the bandage taken from her mouth. "Is mine! Is my cow! I own it!" she screamed. The moment she could speak, "Hold!" said the king. "If the cow belongs to you, let me see you milk her." "Certainly, your Majesty. Certainly!" she cried, and seizing the pail and the stool, she ran up to the left side of the cow, and placed the stool and sat down upon it. But before she could touch the cow, the animal suddenly gave a wild kick, that sent the startled woman in a heap upon the floor, with her head stuck fast into the milk pail. Then the cow moved forward a few steps and looked blandly around. Two of the guards picked the woman up, and pulled the pail from her head. "What's the matter?" asked Bud. "She's fattened, of course." Whimpered the woman, "I'll be black and blue by the morrow morning, Your Majesty. Any cow would kick in such a place as this." Put this woman in the room and fetch the other woman here," commanded the king. So the lean woman was brought out and ordered to milk the cow. She took the stool in one hand and the pail in the other, and approaching the animal softly on the right, patted the animal gently and said, "Sir Bossy, Sir Bossy, my darling." Good bossy, nice bossy. The cow turned her head to look at the lean woman and made no objection when she sat down and began milking. In a moment, the king said, "The cow is yours. Take her and go home." Then all the courtiers and people, and even the five high counselors, applauded the king enthusiastically, and the chief counselor lifted up his hands and said, "Another Solomon has come to rule us." And the people applauded again till Blood looked very pleased, and quite red in the face with satisfaction. Tell me," he said to the woman who was about to lead the cow away. "Tell me where did you get such a nice, faithful bossy as that?"
Must I tell you the truth? asked the woman. Of course, said Bud. Then, your majesty, she returned, I stole her from the fat woman you have locked up in that room. But no one can take the cow from me now, for the king has given her to me. At this, a sudden hush fell over the room, and Bud looked redder than ever. Then how did it happen that you could milk the cow and she could not? demanded the king angrily. She doesn't understand cows. I do, answered the woman. Good day, your majesty. Much obliged, I'm sure. And she walked away with the cow, leaving the king and Princess Fluff and all the people much embarrassed. Have we any cows in the royal stables? asked Bud, turning to Tullydub. Certainly, your majesty, there are several, answered the chief counsellor. Then, said Bud, give one of them to the fat woman and send her home. I've done all the judging I'm going to do today, and now I'll take my sister upstairs to play. Hold on! Hold on! cried a shrill voice. I demand justice! Justice for the... Justice of the king! Justice of the law! Justice to the king's aunt! Bud looked down the room and saw Aunt Rivette struggling with some of the guards. Then she broke away from them and rushed to the throne, crying again, Justice, your majesty! What's the matter with you? asked Bud. Matter? Everything's the matter with me. Aren't you the new king? Yes, that's what I am, said Bud. Am I not your aunt? Am I not your aunt? Yes, said Bud again. Well, why am I left to live in a hut in dressing rags? Doesn't the law say every blood relation of the king shall live in the royal palace? Does it? asked Bud, turning to Tullydub. The law says so, your majesty. And must I have this horrible woman around me all the time, then? Horrible woman yourself! screamed Aunt Rivette, shaking her fist at Bud. I'll teach you! When we are alone, I will teach you! Bud shuddered. Then he turned again to Tallydub. The king can do what he likes, can't he? the boy asked. Certainly, your majesty. Then let the Lord High Executioner step forward. Oh, Bud, what are you going to do? asked Fluff, seizing him tightly by the arm. You let me alone, answered Bud. I am not going to be a king for nothing, and Aunt Rivette whipped me once. Sixteen hard switches. I counted them. The executioner was now bowing before them. Get a switch, commanded the king. The executioner brought a long, slender birch bow. Now, said Bud, you give Aunt Rivette sixteen good switches. Oh, don't, Bud, don't, pleaded Meg. Aunt Rivette fell to her knees, pale and trembling. In agony, she raised her hands. I'll never do it again. Let me off, your majesty, she screamed. Let me off these ones. I'll never, never do it again. Never, never. All right, said Bud with a cheery smile. I'll let you off this time. But if you don't behave, or if you interfere with me or Fluff, I'll have the Lord High Executioner take charge of you. Just remember, I'm the king, and we'll get along all right. Now you may go upstairs, if you wish to, and pick out a room on the top story. Fluff and I are going to play. With this, he laid his crown carefully on the seat of the throne, and threw off his ermine robe. 
Come on, Fluff. We've had enough business for today, he said, and dragged the laughing princess from the room, while Aunt Rivette meekly followed the Lord High Steward up the stairs to a comfortable apartment just underneath the roof. She was very well satisfied at last, and very soon she sent for the Lord High Purse Bearer and demanded money with which to buy some fine clothes for herself. This was given her willingly, for the law provided for the comfort of every relative of the king, and knowing this, Aunt Rivette fully intended to be the most comfortable woman in the kingdom of Noland. <laughs>